We're going to win so big. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to win so big. Thank you. That's what he says. I believe the man. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM people-powered radio in L.A., up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. In Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster. In Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM in Columbus. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And yes, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. You can run, but you can't hide. You might like to. This is the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us. It will be another action-packed, thrilling adventure today, I suspect. Um, Coming up, day one, day one of the Republican convention. Well, that went well. Yes, we will discuss the plagiarism and all related from Monday night's remarkable confab in Cleveland. Also, that laugh you heard was Desi Doyen. Hi, Desi Doyen. Hey, yeah, I'm here. And uh, she will be back. uh, Well, she will be with us throughout, but uh, certainly uh, for our Green News report coming up. With a, a number of fascinating stories, frankly, one including the uh, vice presidential candidate for Donald Trump. One concerning the new prime minister of the U.K. and one concerning an extraordinary uh, another extraordinary heat wave up in Alaska. So we will be talking about that and Melania Madness and the heat rising once again. But while I have your attention at the moment, uh, this just in the uh, race between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton is a dead heat, according to The Hill. Uh, actually, according to the latest NBC News Survey Monkey tracking poll, finding Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump virtually tied at 46-45. That is down from a three-point Clinton lead last week. And we have been following these polls uh, for good and bad when Hillary loses ground, when Hillary gains ground. We have been covering them. We have not been cherry-picking them as some of the folks, as some of my critics over at Daily Coast like to say. Um <laughs> And the reason I'm covering them is not because I am obsessed with polls like the corporate media is. I really am not. But I am somewhat uh, obsessed with what the media and the American uh, electorate don't appear to be seeing in them. And that is how close these polls are. And frankly, when you have a candidate as insane as I think 
the, certainly the vast majority of Americans agree, insane as this Donald Trump candidacy, this should be a blowout. This should be a blowout if I was running on the Democratic side, much less Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, who has experience and stuff. Uh, so, uh, you know, the fact that everybody is really enjoying this campaign, the television ratings are up. What's Donald Trump going to say next? What's he going to tweet next? And like it's it's hysterical. But I really don't think that the American public are paying attention to things like these polls and how close they are. And that was a national poll. And as I always uh, offer the caveat, it's state polls that matter, not national polls, because we don't have national elections. But we see similar things in too many states right now where they are either close or uh, Hillary has lost huge ground or Donald Trump is up above Hillary, as we saw in, I think it was Pennsylvania in one of the polls last week. Pennsylvania, really? Donald Trump is up? Well, yeah, in Pennsylvania, they have a very unpopular Democratic governor right now, and that could redound in Donald Trump's benefit in Pennsylvania, which is a really important state for Democrats. So these polls are really close. These uh, terror attacks are becoming more frequent. And uh, frankly, uh, the Donald Trump campaign is, you know, doing whatever they can to capitalize on that, to capitalize on that fear, as we saw at the Republican convention uh, on Monday when the theme was um, Make America Scared Again. What was it? Desi <laughs> I it, think was, it was uh, make supposed America... to be Make America Safe. Oh, that's again. what it was. OK, so Make America Safe Again. But they are doing whatever they can to make Americans feel not safe. So there's there's that and the effect that that might have on the polls. And I, I guess those people old enough to remember might remember what happened just days before the 2004 election when Osama bin Laden released a video that scared people into uh, uh, perhaps voting for George Bush instead of John Kerry. Uh, as George Bush was also capitalizing on fear, fear works. Fear works really well in elections. We know that in this country. Anyone who doesn't hasn't been paying attention. So you've got these really close polls. You've got this fear. And then the thing that I am always harping on, our brittle, unreliable, easily gamed, often failed electoral system. So we've got a few more examples of that and a few more uh, troubling items that, uh, frankly, um, you know, are, are just out and should uh, make you, uh, speaking of uh, scaring you, uh, should make you quite worried about what happens. And, you know, if, if, if you think, oh, we have time to worry about that or there's nothing to worry about, talk to the Bernie Sanders supporters. Talk to the Bernie Sanders supporters who believe that the election was stolen from them, the primary election, who are trying to do something about it, who have tried to do something about it and find themselves being blocked at every corner because after an election, it is really, really difficult to do anything about it. To uh, If you think you got screwed by the electoral system, by the voting machines, it's really next to impossible to change results. And uh, I've looked at uh, all of the uh, claims being made by the Sanders folks. There are some concerns here and there. There are concerns for me in every election, frankly. Uh, no more really in this election than I've seen in previous ones concerning uh, the questions about the results that came in for Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. But people continue to look. I encourage them to look. That's fine. But the lesson is... 
at least to me, don't wait until after the election to worry about these things, because by then it is too late. So we have, a, 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 you know, just a couple examples uh, in Pahrump, Nevada. Uh, a woman was arrested last Wednesday on 11 felony charges involving allegations that she falsified party affiliations while registering voters before the June 14 Nevada primary, according to the Nevada Secretary of State, as reported by the Las Vegas Review-Journal. An arrest warrant was issued for Tina Marie Parks, listing bail at $50,000 cash or $100,000 bond. The arrest follows an investigation conducted by the state's Election Integrity Task Force, after it received complaints from voters who said Parks, while working for the conservative outreach group Engaged Nevada, filled out their applications and listed the wrong party affiliation. For example, in two instances, voters said that Parks marked their party as Republican. They were trying to register as Democrat, and Parks marked their party on the form as a Republican. Another was marked as a nonpartisan. All three told investigators that they had wanted to register as Democrats. So this is what Republicans love to claim Democrats do, that claim that ACORN has been out there doing for years. Uh, that was the, the group that uh, had registered legally registered millions of American voters, uh, 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 poor and middle class voters uh, to vote, not as Democrats, not as Republicans, just to vote, you know, to register however they liked. But you've got these uh, right wing groups out there who actually pay bounties. This happens, we've reported on this over the years out here in California, where they will uh, pay 10, 12, 20 dollars a head to register people as Republicans. So they don't pay them by the hour like you would for a regular job. They pay them for the number of Republican Party registrations you can get. Correct. Well, they may also pay them by the hour, but they, they give them a, a bonus for every Republican re uh, registration that they bring in. That's illegal in some places, not illegal in others. It's illegal in Nevada and uh, this woman was caught changing people's registration. Now, we had a lot of reports during the primary uh, cycle this year in a lot of states and, and actually in both the Democratic and the Republican parties of people showing up to vote and finding out that their registration was not what they thought it was, that it had been changed. Now, we went back and looked at some of those, a number of those, and in fact, they hadn't been changed. They just didn't know that they had originally registered, for example, as a, a decline to state, a, a nonpartisan voter, unaffiliated voter. But they voted every general election for the Democrat, and they thought that they were registered as a Democrat. It turns out they really weren't. But there were other cases. There are other questions uh, about people who were registered to vote, who showed up to vote, who knew they were registered, who even checked their registration at some point online, saw that they were registered as a Democrat, and then they showed up and they were registered as a Republican somehow for some reason. Well, uh, if that happened, uh, whether it was this woman in Nevada, uh, whether it was these stories I'm about to read you, that is election fraud. That is not voter fraud. That is not the voter doing anything wrong. The voter is doing everything right. They're registering to vote, then they're showing up to vote. Um, but insiders, insiders who have access, whether it's this contractor who was able to uh, turn in the registration form and change the party on it, or, for example, uh, this, uh, this woman in Utah, and this was sent to me by a former uh, Utah election official. 
A southern Utah county official is accused of using her position to help her husband win a primary race for county commissioner, according to AP. Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox filed a lawsuit in the 6th District Court last Friday in which he alleges Wayne County Deputy Clerk Coral Brinkerhoff tried to manipulate the Republican primary in David Brinkerhoff's favor. That's her husband. The suit also calls for overturning the election results. County Clerk Ryan Torgerson and Gary Hallows, who lost last month's race by 55 votes, joined in the lawsuit's filing. According to the suit, Coral, again, the Wayne County deputy clerk, an insider. This would be election fraud, insider election fraud. This is how it happens. Not voters at the polling place showing up to vote twice or vote showing up to vote in someone else's name. Insider election fraud. So uh, according to the suit, Coral Brinkerhoff improperly changed voter affiliations so they could receive Republican ballots in the closed primary in Utah. She also allegedly improperly accessed the voter databases. The Brinkerhoffs did not immediately respond to calls requesting comment. She could face criminal charges. So she had access to the voter registration database as Pretty much all election officials do. They can access the uh, voter registration database and they can access the tabulators, the things that actually count your votes. Those votes, even when they're on paper, they are generally run through computers and uh, they may tabulate the ballots correctly or incorrectly. Nobody knows unless they count the paper ballots. But once they're scanned, you can go into the tabulator And in about 10 or 15 seconds, if you have access to that tabulation computer, you can go in there, click, 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 and you can flip the results. And people may or may not notice. Well, that was the sort of access that Coral Brinkerhoff, the uh, deputy county clerk in Wayne County, had that allowed her to change registrations to uh, Republican from whatever they were, from uh, uh, non-affiliated or Democratic or whatever, change them to Republican so certain people could come in and vote in an election that was won, announced reportedly won, by 55 votes. She got caught because perhaps it was uh, so close, uh, the election. Uh, had they, you know, blown it out a little bit more, a few thousand votes, very few people would have bothered to check. Or if they would have tried to check, they might have had a very difficult time doing so. So that was Utah. So you got Nevada, you got Utah. Now we move to uh, California. Uh, using the state's voter registration website, someone with access to voters' personal information, changed their party affiliations without their knowledge or consent, according to Riverside County, California District Attorney Mike Hestrin. Hestrin's uh, comments in early July validate earlier complaints of voter registration tampering by local Republican Party leaders and others. They also expose a potential flaw in the state's online voter registration system in which someone can impersonate a voter and change his or her information. It is unclear, according to the uh, press enterprise, uh, how widespread the problem is or whether it's a new threat to uh, California elections. The state of California has recently gone to online uh, voter registration. And earlier this month, a spokesman for the California Secretary of State's office, according to the paper, uh, said that uh, no evidence had been found, quote, to suggest any breach of our voter registration database. 
But the uh, Riverside County District Attorney disagrees. He says his office received a few dozen complaints. Riverside County's Registrar of Voters uh, had reported just two complaints uh, from uh, voters who said their party affiliation had been changed. Uh, so, But Hestron, the district attorney, says, I understand from talking to many out in various communities that there were others who experienced the same problem who did not report it to law enforcement but simply voted by provisional ballot and then fixed their party affiliation later. So that uh, investigation continues. And uh, there is some question about, you know, how many of them are legitimate and how many were actually changed from the inside somehow, if not by a, an election official, but by somebody who was able to gain access uh, to the system, to enough personal information to be able to change the registration uh, for these people. This is something that, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders voters, again, had complained about during the primary cycle here in California. I hope that investigation continues. But it ain't that hard. So now you've got Nevada, you've got Utah, you've got California, where uh, changing voter registrations is not all that difficult. And then you have actual laws that are being changed by Republicans. In the light of the uh, Supreme Court's 2013 ruling, which gutted the Federal Voting Rights Act, as you know, as broadcast listeners know, uh, Republican-controlled states have leapt at the opportunity to change election laws to make it more difficult to vote in ways that disproportionately disenfranchise minority voters in a way that they would not have been able to get away with uh, prior to the Voter uh, Registration Act being gutted by the uh, by the U.S. Supreme Court. So now we have a story out of North Carolina, uh, a, a, a key swing state in the past two elections. Barack Obama won it by a very narrow margin in 2008. Mitt Romney won it in 2012. Both the Clinton campaigns and the Trump campaigns have been campaigning out there vigorously because they know it's a swing state. Well, now Reuters did a study of the uh, new law that we have called the, uh, the, the mother of all voter suppression laws that was passed just after the Voting Rights Act was gutted by the Supreme Court, just pa uh, passed in, uh, in North Carolina. It shortens, uh, shortens the early voting period. It takes away same-day registration. It uh, requires photo ID restrictions at the polling place, despite the lack of actual fraud that has ever been committed that way uh, by voters. Uh, and it prevents people from being able to cast a ballot out of precinct. In other words, in North Carolina, if you did not go to your home precinct, you used to be able to cast a provisional ballot in a different precinct and then it would be counted. You might not be able to vote in some of the local uh, contests if you were outside of that uh, precinct, but you'd, you'd still have your, your vote counted for state races and congressional presidential and so forth. Well, now a Reuters review of Republican backed changes to North Carolina's voting rules indicates as many as 29,000 votes might not be counted at all in this year's November 8 presidential election if federal appeals court if a federal appeals court upholds that 2013 law. Besides banning voters from voting outside their assigned precincts on Election Day, the law also prevents them from registering the same day. According to Reuters, uh, the U.S. Justice Department says the law was designed to disproportionately affect minority groups who are more likely to vote out of precinct and use same-day registration. Of course, backers of the law deny this and say that it will prevent voter fraud. <laughs> I know. 
Uh, North Carolina, a battleground state, has a recent history of close elections, uh, and they note that Barack Obama won North Carolina by just 14,177 votes back in 2008. 14,000 votes, and now Reuters finds that as many as 29,000 voters may not be, uh, may not be counted. 29,000 votes may not be counted this November because people often vote out of precinct not knowing that they have to vote now under this new law in their own precinct. Many uh, Reuters found didn't even know which one was their home precinct because uh, county clerks don't necessarily send them that information. Well, that's convenient. The uh, fourth U.S. Uh, Circuit Court of Appeals is considering legal challenges and we're hopeful to this law and we hope uh, a, a ruling is uh, to be issued in the next few weeks. Um, the Justice Department has alleged a, quote, race based purpose to the new law in a legal brief in this court case. And studies uh, that the department cited showed show that minority and low income voters are more likely to use same day registration and out of precinct voting because they are less likely to own a car or have flexible working hours, etc. These voters are also more likely to vote for Democrats. In all, one th- and here's a, a number. If you compare 2014, uh, in all, just 13, uh, I'm sorry, 1,390 ballots were rejected in the 2014 election. This was after the new law was passed that rejects those uh, those new ballot, the out-of-precinct ballots. 1,390 ballots were rejected in the 2014 mid-off-year uh, primary, I'm sorry, off-year election. Um, that is up from just 49 49 votes that were rejected across the state for the same reason back in 2010. So we've gone from 49 votes rejected to 1,390. That was in an off-year election. That wasn't a presidential election, but you can do the math there. Uh, A huge jump in votes that were just out and out rejected due to that new law in North Carolina. And now... Yes, it gets worse. I've gone from the uh, the best case scenario, a few votes here and there in Nevada, uh, on up to uh, this news that we're just getting uh, today, actually late yesterday from the um, from the lawyers committee, uh, which they're the ones who run the 866 hour vote hotline, uh, the lawyers committee for civil rights under law. And they work with a number of other election protection groups to call themselves election protection for elections. Well, they announced that the Justice Department has now stated it will no longer deploy federal observers inside polling sites. A longstanding and critical component of its election monitoring efforts, the Justice Department announced that it will cease dispatching federal election observers to polling sites based on the department's interpretation of the 2013 U.S. Supreme Court decision in Shelby County versus Holder. That is the Supreme Court decision that gutted the Voting Rights Act back in 2013. Federal election observers, especially trained individuals with authorization to enter polling locations and review the counting of the votes, have historically played a critical role monitoring elections to ensure that all voters are able to freely cast a ballot, according to their uh, the lawyers committee's press release. Uh, In their uh, statement, they say the Justice Department's decision to terminate the core component of its federal observer program has a significant impact on the 2016 landscape. Literally tens of thousands 
of federal observers had been dispatched to observe elections inside polling places in some of the most vulnerable communities across our country. Federal observers helped to block and deter discriminatory conduct that might otherwise go undetected. Without federal observers, they say greater vigilance will be required to fight voter suppression and discrimination at the polls. While we disagree, the Justice Department's decision to terminate the Federal Observer Program further underscores the need for Congress to take action now to restore the Voting Rights Act in the wake of what the Supreme Court did in 2013. So basically, the Supreme Court has made this decision. Well, they explain it here. Under Section 8 of the Voting Rights Act, the Attorney General can dispatch federal observers to a jurisdiction covered under Section 4B of the Voting Rights Act when it has received written meritorious complaints of concerns about racial discrimination concerning an election or otherwise determined such discrimination is likely to occur absent the observers. Well, the Supreme Court, what they did was they gutted Section 4B, at least in regard to uh, which jurisdictions around the country uh, would be subject to Section 5. Of the Voting Rights Act, Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act is the one that says uh, jurisdictions with a history of racial discrimination must get pre-approval, must get pre-clearance for any new election laws. And it is those laws that these jurisdictions no longer need to get uh, uh, pre-clearance for. They can change the laws just as they did in North Carolina. That would have normally been under the jurisdiction of the uh, Department of Justice to approve or not. Uh, but in this case, the Department of Justice is taken out of the uh, out of the matter and with it, their observers as they interpret the law. So tens of thousands of observers who might have otherwise been overseeing our brittle and terrible electoral system in these United States will not be there this November. You got that? Now, the department, the DOJ, has indicated uh, it will continue to monitor elections through smaller deployments of DOJ staff members. Federal observers will continue to be deployed when authorized by a court order. But uh, the way that they had usually done it, deploying uh, hundreds, thousands of, uh, of observers, they will not be doing that this November. That's swell, ain't it? And you remember where we started this segment, talking about the polls and how close the polls are. Well, back in 2004, Des, you'll remember this. Remember Jim Lampley uh, from... Uh, the sportscaster. The sports guy, right, from HBO. Yes. Does the boxing, uh, covers boxing, so he spends a lot of time in Vegas. Uh, he was very concerned about the 2004 results, and, and he uh, I got to meet him during 2000, uh, after the uh, 2004 election when we were concerned about those results. Uh, spoke with him at a number of events, uh, and uh, he said his first, the thing that touched him off w- uh, about the 2004 election was that the results were in contradiction to what the odds makers were putting on that race between Bush and Kerry. He said, never mind the polls. Look at the odds makers. Look at the people in, you know, in Vegas and elsewhere who take bets on this because their livelihood depends on it. They can't get this wrong. So when they make these odds... Uh, you know, for for betting on the candidates, uh, they're the ones he says to pay attention to. Well, all right, let's pay attention to them. I got this uh, press release from this group called Smart Bets today. Donald Trump's chances of being elected president of the United States have been given a boost at the star spangled GOP convention. 
data from odds comparison site SmartBets now shows. Uh, they have tracked the odds of the White House contenders uh, to identify the trends. Uh, going back through the primary, they found that the chances of the Donald now being elected have jumped by 5% this past week. From 25.8% up to 30%. Uh, meanwhile, Democratic uh, adversary Clinton is way ahead, they say, with 64.5%. So she still has a large pro uh, possibility of being elected, according to the odds makers, 65%. But that is decreasing in just five points in the last week. They also note that Trump can take some solace from the UK's recent EU referendum where bookies were as confident, 81, more confident, in fact, 81.8 percent that Britain would uh, remain in the uh, in the European Union. And you recall the results. They ended up not remaining in the European Union. And that was when the odds makers put this at 80 percent. So. Um, I will continue to uh, bring this to the front. I will continue to let people know about this. And hey, if you're a Donald Trump supporter, this is fantastic news for you. If you're a Democrat, if you're interested in Hillary Clinton winning this election, you ought to start paying uh, a hell of a lot closer attention and start making noise about it now until uh, until November 9th, when it will likely be too late. All right, a quick break, and we are back with uh, that plagiarist Melania Trump. Man, right after this, I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. He will never, ever give up. And most importantly, he will never, ever let you down. She rickrolled us. I did. You rickrolled us. You're it's, welcome. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That was uh, Melania Trump. Uh, Donald Trump did the same thing. He rickrolled us a couple of uh, weeks ago, and you did the same thing. You betcha. Damn Any it. chance I get to rickroll you, for those who don't know, Rick Astley, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. All right, welcome back to the Bradcast, and good luck getting that song out of your head. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. That, of course, is Desi Doyen. Uh, Monday night, uh, the uh, day one of the Republican National convention got underway uh it featured the duck dynasty guy it featured chachi that's right scott Bayo. just uh days he had previously posted a meme on twitter that i can't talk about here can nope. i very vulgar yes in, uh, reference, in reference to one of the female candidates yeah the female candidate and a body part of hers. Yeah. Anyway, uh, also Rick Perry, the uh, governor, the former governor of Texas, the failed presidential candidate. He spoke. He didn't mention Trump by name, uh, which is probably wise, since even as he was speaking over on his failed presidential candidacy website, he still had an item headlined, quote, defending conservatism against the cancer of Trumpism. Oh, goodness. 
They have since taken that down, but oh. not while he was out there at Donald <laughs> Trump's convention in Cleveland. Uh, there were some moving remarks from Marcus Luttrell, uh, the uh, man, the uh, titular figure in the Lone Survivor movie, uh, the mother of one of the, uh, um, uh, I guess, uh, Americans, America, yeah, Americans. I don't know if he was a CIA analyst, what he was, but uh, who lost his life in Benghazi. Uh, that mother uh, claimed that Hillary Clinton, quote, murdered her son and that she should be in jail. That despite uh, how many eight or nine official investigations now finding uh, Hillary Clinton <laughs> did no such thing. Right. There was no stand down order. Even the Republicans who investigated found this. Nonetheless, that's what she said. Um uh, there was a family member of someone who was killed by an undocumented immigrant because, you know, uh, the only people who are murdered in this country are murdered by uh, illegal aliens. That's the only murders that occur. Uh, Rudy Giuliani uh, then spoke in what was really kind of a bizarre spectacle of an unhinged speech. Here's a little bit of that. The vast majority of Americans today do not feel safe. It's time to make America safe again. It's time to make America one again. One America! Where did it go? How has it flown away? We must not be afraid to define our enemy. It is Islamic extremist terrorism. There's no next election. This what? is it. What? There's no more time for us left what? to revive our great country. Oh, no. No more time to repeat our mistakes of the Clinton-Obama years. Oh, those. Vote for Donald Trump for a safer America and for an America headed in a different direction. Greatness! <laughs> God bless our next president, Donald Trump, and God bless the United States of America, USA. There you go. That was uh, Donald Trump, former mayor of New York. That uh, was doing a nice job. Yes. That was Rudy Giuliani. What did I say? Donald Trump. Oh man. <laughs> I can't even tell the difference anymore. That was Rudy Giuliani. Thank you, uh, former mayor of New York. Uh, then. After a uh, pro-wrestling-style entrance silhouetted against blue fog and smoke with Queen's We Are the Champions uh, uh, pounding in the arena, Donald Trump appeared in silhouette to introduce his wife Melania's keynote address. It sounded... This is the speech uh, that Trump... The introduction in its entirety. We're going to win so big. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to win so big. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my great honor to present the next First Lady of the United States, my wife, an amazing mother, an incredible woman, Melania Trump. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
That was it. And then she came on. Uh, Melania Trump came on. She did a great job. I frankly think it was the highlight of the night. I would agree. Uh, I, uh, you know, I was looking at it thinking, boy, you know what? There's a lot of people out there who are uh, undecided, you know, Republicans. Should they go with it? Can they trust this guy? Well, she came across very likable. Um, then there was a few more uh, speeches to a half-empty house since everyone started filing out after Melania spoke. And, and then it all finished, and, and nice things were being said about Melania and how she helped to humanize Trump. The media was talking about that and that it, it, it really capped the night, did really well. And then, and I don't know what time it was, but boy, did it start to get late out here in, in the West. So out east, it must it was certainly, you know, three hours later. Uh, here's what it sounded like on MSNBC when this first came up for the very first time. And I don't know that I've ever seen a narrative change so immediately and so quickly uh, as as it did. Here's Brian Williams and uh, Rachel Maddow talking about what happened, followed by Lawrence O'Donnell. Those are all hosts on MSNBC. And Steve Schmidt, who used to be the campaign uh, director for John McCain, as I recall. Here's how this played out. We've had a remarkable turn of events. Something has happened, you might say. Um, this started on social media. People on Twitter first started circulating uh, sort of eyebrow-raising claims about Melania's speech, Melania Trump's speech this evening. Um, that led us, because it started to pick up a lot of speed online, it led us to uh, go dig up the archival material and check these claims, and it does appear that there are some unusual similarities, some unusual, very tight parallels between Melania Trump's speech tonight and Michelle Obama's speech uh, in a similar position um, in the 2008 Democratic nominating convention for her husband, Barack Obama. We have put together just the first rudimentary uh, video comparisons uh, from tonight to 08. As with a lot of things on the appropriately named social media, this started with one person, kind of the butterfly effect. By the time most Americans wake up tomorrow morning, this will likely be a thing. Here now, uh, the most rudimentary edit of, of the passages being highlighted. And Barack and I were raised with so many of the same values. Like, you work hard for what you want in life. That your word is your bond, that you do what you say you're gonna do. That you treat people with dignity and respect. From a young age, my parents impressed on me the values that you work hard for what you want in life. That your word is your bond, and you do what you say and keep your promise that you treat people with respect. Because we want our children and all children in this nation to know that the only limit to the height of your achievements is the reach of your dreams and your willingness to work hard for them. Because we want our children in this nation to know that the only limit to your achievements is the strength of your dreams and your willingness to work for them. Let's talk about this. There is uh, no university in America that would not rule this as plagiarism. There's no question that the speechwriters for Melania Trump, Melania Trump could not possibly have known that this was plagiarism, but the speechwriters certainly did. Uh, in the second passage that we played there uh, sequentially, 22 words out of 26 words that Melania Trump uh, spoke were taken directly 
word for word from Michelle Obama's words. That's 22 out of 26. That's an overwhelming, uh, just incontrovertible case of plagiarism. In the previous passage, 29 words were identical uh, with about six words uh, slightly changed. Uh, there, there's just no question the speechwriters who worked on this lifted it directly from Michelle Obama's uh, speech. Uh, the question now becomes what will the Trump campaign reaction be? If Donald Trump is true to form, he will absolutely deny that this is plagiarism. He will not fire those speechwriters or we won't be able to in any way track that they've been fired. Uh, I'm I doubt very much they will they will admit to this, uh, but there's no question that that's what this is. This is pure plagiarism. Steve, what do you make? Really, the highlight of tonight's speech, the the highlight of tonight's activities was Melania Trump's speech. This turns this night into a catastrophe. Uh, this is a uh, plagiarized speech, hands down, game set match on that. What an outrageous disservice to Melania Trump by the speechwriters on that on that campaign. Once again, that was Steve Schmidt, uh, the former campaign director for John McCain, Republican uh, John McCain, uh, saying what a disaster this was. And it turns out in this case, Lawrence O'Donnell, speaking just before him, uh, appears to have gotten it just right as far as what the Trump campaign would do about this apparent case, or I should say clear case. Last night it was just apparent, but now it's quite clear that this was plagiarism. It was first discovered, by the way, by Jarrett Hill, uh, who is a, a, a journalist, an interior designer out here in Los Angeles. He found it on the Twitters and posted it. Uh, it went very quickly viral over the next few hours. Now, Melania Trump, for her part, had claimed on an airplane on the way to the convention on Monday in an interview with NBC's um, Matt Lauer, as her husband proudly beamed uh, standing next to her, that she wrote as much of it as possible all by herself. Has she gone over the speech with you? Did you practice it on the plane? I read once over it, and that's all, because I wrote it and uh, with a little help as possible. I wrote it with a little help as possible. Now, uh, as I said, as everybody seemed to say, her speech was, in fact, the highlight of the night. And a few people had heard her speak previously, uh, and she was the keynote uh, speaker here. She did very well, I thought, while watching it. I remember getting a text from my dad late at night saying, uh, hey, I think uh, the Republicans had a great night. That was just before this uh, story started to break on Twitter's uh, about the plagiarism. Uh, and then it became clear that, uh, well, it turns out that it was fraud, uh, just like Donald Trump. Now, the Trump team finally put out a statement late, late, late last night or early this morning. Their first statement, it took them hours to get anything out at 2.30 a.m. East Coast time. A senior communications advisor by the name of Jason Miller uh, said, uh, quote, in writing her beautiful speech, Melania's team of writers took notes on her life's inspirations and in some instances included fragments that reflected her own thinking. Melania's immigrant experience and love for America shone through in her speech, which made it a success. He said nothing about the plagiarism. He, he did not speak to it at all. A non-responsive response. Incomprehensible doublespeak is what it actually was. The statement said absolutely nothing. Uh, and not to mention, by the way, that it completely contradicts what Melania, Melania herself had said earlier. She said she wrote it by herself with as little help as possible. And then this statement, 
says that uh, Melania's team of writers took notes on her life's inspirations and, and helped her craft the, uh, the speech. So they appeared already to be sort of throwing her under the bus, undercutting what it was she had told Matt Lauer. The, uh, the campaign this morning, as this became the issue, this is all that anybody has been talking about. They were, like I said, I've never seen a, a narrative change so quickly like that on, you know, in a case like this. Uh, this morning, the campaign denies that Melania Trump's speech, as Lawrence said, as Lawrence O'Donnell said, uh, denies that Trump's uh, Melania's speech plagiarizes parts of Michelle Obama's speech. They're, they're just pretending it, it didn't happen. And that this is all a setup somehow by Hillary Clinton. Here is Paul Manafort, the Trump campaign chief, this morning on CNN when he was asked, uh, was uh, Melania cribbing from Michelle Obama's 2008 speech? This was the 2008 nomination uh, speech, nominating convention where Michelle Obama was speaking. Um, Here's uh, Paul Manafort asking if uh, she was cribbing. Well, there's no cribbing of Michelle Obama's speech. These weren't common words and values that she cares about her family, uh, that, uh, that things like that. I mean, she was speaking in front of 35 million people last night. She knew that. Uh, to think that she would be cribbing Michelle Obama's words is, is crazy. Crazy. I, I mean, it's so. I mean, this is once again an example of when a woman threatens Hillary Clinton, uh, how uh, she try, seeks out to demean her and uh, and uh, take her down. It's not going to work. And to, to expect her to, to think that she would do something like that, knowing how scrutinized her speech was going to be last night, is just really absurd. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's Hillary Clinton's fault. And he's kind of throwing her under the bus, saying, thinking that she would do something like this. Horrors. He, well, he's setting up her to be yes. thrown under the bus. If anybody denies it, then they're attacking Melania. As if she was the one who wrote this speech. In fact, uh, she didn't. But... Um, Donald Trump, the the campaign has since said that they do not plan to fire anybody. They will take no disciplinary action over this, which is kind of remarkable to me. Uh, It is so blatant. Sean Spicer, the uh, RNC chief strategist, uh, invoked My Little Pony in defending the speech in an interview with uh, CNN. He said Melania Trump said the strength of your dreams and willingness to work for them, whereas Twilight Sparkle from My Little Pony said... This is your dream. Anything you can do in your dreams, you can do now. Claiming those are exactly the same. Now, if you didn't hear it uh, in that initial cut by MSNBC, because it wasn't quite as clear, uh, other folks since then have uh, done a better job of, of making it clear just how exactly alike, not My Little Pony alike, but actually exactly alike, word for word in many cases, that the speech was. Here's uh, Gawker uh, uh, put together. I believe this is from Gawker. Uh, their, their cut of both Melania Trump on Monday night and Michelle Obama from 2008. Barack and I were raised with so many of the same values. My parents impressed on me the values. Like you work hard for what you want in life. That you work hard for what you want in life. <laughs> That your word is your bond, that you do what you say you're going to do. That your word is your bond, and you do what you say. That you treat people with dignity and respect. That you treat people with respect. Because 
We want our children and all children in this nation to know that because we want our children in this nation to know the only limit to the height of your achievements is the reach of your dreams that the only limit to your achievements is the strength of your dreams and your willingness to work hard for them and your willingness to work for them <laughs> so it's clearly the same speech there is no question about it. Yep. And yet uh, the Trump campaign is saying this never happened. Nothing to see here. Even uh, a Trump ally, Chris Christie, is saying, quote, there's no way that Melania Trump was plagiarizing Michelle Obama's speech. I just don't see it. Maybe he needs to hear that cut. Maybe he needs some glasses. <sighs> Maybe he needs uh, an honesty uh, infusion or something. Uh, it's 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 just amazing. Uh, even within the campaign, Donald Trump uh, is said to be furious about this. Uh, they are saying that the the guy who oversaw Melania Trump's speech was a guy by the name of Rick Gates, a deputy to Paul Manafort, the the, the campaign chief. Uh, however, Gates is denying that he oversaw the process of putting the speech together. I can imagine he would deny that. Uh, Jim Acosta, CNN's Jim Acosta, asked Gates if he oversaw Melania Trump's speech process. He said absolutely not. So even within the campaign, they can't agree. Uh, and Corey Lewandowski, who was the uh, the fired Trump campaign manager, he's now a paid CNN contributor, and I think he's still getting money from Trump, uh, says that uh, Manafort needs to take a deep look inside and understand what the process was, make sure the protocols were in place. I think if it was Paul Manafort, he would do the right thing and resign. Apparently not. Apparently nobody's getting fired. No one is resigning. Well, uh, why does this matter? For a lot of reasons, many of which that I don't even have time to discuss now. But uh, basically, if this is how he's running his campaign, if this is how he's dealing with a blunder like this, instead of being able to fire someone, something so easy like this, imagine what happens if he's president of the United States. Josh Barrow said on Twitter, if Trump becomes president, the same laziness and carelessness and dishonesty that led to this will cause much, much bigger problems. Oh, you think? In the meantime, maybe the upside is that uh, as John Favreau, formerly a speechwriter for uh, Barack Obama, noted uh, the speakers tonight, this is Monday night, have basically called the Democratic nominee a criminal, a C-word, and a murderer. But this plagiarism thing is the big news. Yeah, it is. By the way, Favreau also notes that uh, Sarah Hurwitz, Michelle's, uh, Michelle Obama's head speechwriter, used to be Hillary's speechwriter. So the Trump campaign ended up plagiarizing from Hillary Clinton's speechwriter. Go figure. Yeah, this matters. <laughs> at least to anyone who cares about someone competent running the free world. A break, and we're back with more, including the Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. Good Lord! Stay tuned. And maybe it took the words right out of my mouth One must have been while you were kissing me Oh, well, I love you, too. Welcome back to the broadcast. 
Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, amazing. Uh, just an amazing day. All right. Well, Desi Doyen, we, we must get to it. Uh, I guess our li- we're running late on time as ever. Our latest Green News report. There is a denial of the growing skepticism in the scientific community about global warming. Surprise! Donald Trump's running mate is also a climate science denier. UK's conservative prime minister abolishes climate department on her first day. Heat wave breaks records in Alaska. Plus, India breaks the record for the most number of trees planted in a single day. You'll never guess how many. Three? More than that. All of those stories and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The Republican Party has officially declared that coal is an abundant, clean energy resource. Well, of course, of course. That's why you see all those photos of fresh-faced coal miners out there. Yep, you do. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, another uh, sad and uh, unexpected cost of global warming on the East Coast. Yes, indeed. Sadly, a prison inmate in Washington, D.C. died of extreme heat. And that is happening across the country with an extreme heat wave now baking most of the nation. A new analysis specifically of Washington, D.C. temperature trends conducted by Climate Central finds that extreme heat days have already doubled on the East Coast just since the 1970s, and it projects that if no action is taken to cut emissions by the end of the century, the Washington, D.C. climate will be more like that of South Texas near the Mexican border. And that D.C. jail where that uh, man died a couple of days ago because of the heat, that houses 1,200 people. It is brick and it is regarded as an oven when the temperatures get as warm as they have been out there. Just very sad story. But amid this record heat wave, it is actually most remarkable in Alaska, in Dead Horse, Alaska, which is located on the north slope of northern Alaska. It's in the Arctic Circle at the edge of the Arctic Ocean. Dead Horse, Alaska hit a record high of 85 degrees last week. That is 30 degrees above normal, but more ominously, it is the highest temperature ever recorded at any Arctic station within 50 miles of of the Arctic Ocean ever in history. Well, good thing we have leaders in this country who are taking action. We can look forward to dealing with this problem in the very near future. Speaking of which, the Republican National Convention. (laughs) That's right. It's going on right now in Cleveland, Ohio. And presumptive Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump has chosen his running mate, Indiana Governor Mike Pence. Of course, Pence is a climate science denier, just like Trump and the rest of the Republican Party. In 2001, as a member of the House of Representatives, Pence called global warming a myth, and he voted against the environment 85 times on bills relating to pollution, energy, climate, and drilling. In a 2009 interview on MSNBC, he tried accusing the media of science denial. I think the science is very mixed on the okay, subject well then of global how can you get warming. Excited about it? On the global warming issue, I know that in the mainstream See media... See how you're hedging? This is the, why people the, don't the, trust in Republicans. In the mainstream media, Chris, there is a denial of the growing skepticism in the scientific community about global warming. <laughs> so the media are the one in, in denial. That's right. And of course, that's completely not true. Now, as governor, Pence's state, Indiana, is suing the Obama administration to stop the land 
landmark clean power plan to cut carbon emissions, and he has banned his state from even working on the new standards in the meantime. But yet another new survey shows the Republican Party is increasingly out of step with Americans. No. A new survey of American attitudes on climate change, conducted by Yale and George Mason Universities, finds that Americans are more concerned than ever about climate change, with 64 percent responding that they are concerned or very concerned about climate impacts. Now, that's the highest level showing concern since 2008, the last time that climate was a prominent presidential campaign issue. A separate survey in April, also from Yale, finds voters are increasingly indicating that they're more likely to vote for candidates who support climate action. Meanwhile, over in the UK, Britain's new conservative prime minister, Theresa May, has alarmed environmental and climate advocates. On her first day in office, she ordered the closure of a government agency dedicated to addressing climate change. The Department of Energy and Climate Change had elevated the UK into a world leader on climate policy, but it will now be absorbed into the UK Department of Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy, indicating to environmental groups that the conservative May administration is is downgrading climate as a priority. Finally, some good news. In India, where air pollution kills more than half a million people a year, the state of Uttar Pradesh has broken the Guinness World Record for planting the most trees in one day. More than 49 million tree saplings, I'm not kidding you, 49 million tree saplings planted in just 24 hours by volunteers. The saplings were given out free from the state government to meet a national goal of restoring forest cover by 2030 and fighting air pollution and climate change. Well, that'll do it. Thank you, Desi Doyen, for much more on that story and all of the other ones we couldn't get to today. Please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. There is trouble in the forest and the creatures are That's a funny song. But before we get out, I have to say happy birthday to you, Brad, who you are working today on your birthday, toiling away to bring the news and the analysis (laughs) and the punditry and the snark to all the people. So happy birthday. Well, thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Greatly appreciated and uh, couldn't be more delighted to work on my birthday. Can you tell (laughs) I don't mean that at all? Anyway, thank you. Thank you for everything, uh, Desi Doyen, our producer, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's greatly appreciated if you missed any portion of today's show or any other downloaded at bradblog.com or itunes or your favorite podcast outlet drop me email if you like i'm bradcast at bradblog.com and find and follow me on the facebooks and the twitters at the brad blog that's it until we meet again i'm brad friedman good luck world Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round, like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to help keep us going. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. And thanks.